Hello and welcome. My name's Marius Cumming and you're listening to The Yarn, a podcast from the Australian wool industry and Australian wool innovation. So later we will hear from the Indian ambassador for the Grown in Australia Made in India campaign. We're also going to head to Hong Kong. But we're going to start with an Englishman today, Peter Ackroyd. You may have heard him in an earlier podcast. He's the Global Strategic Advisor with AWI, the Walmart company. And uh, at the moment, uh, relatively high wool prices are being enjoyed by Australian farmers. But of course, there is a flip side at the other end of the supply chain. Now, Peter Ackroyd writes uh, about this in the August edition of the Market Intelligence Report from AWI, but he speaks here about some price resistance and a little danger of substitution in some of the middle market high street stores from these high wool prices. When I was much younger, everything was made in the UK, and indeed Marks and Spencers used to boast that everything, well, 85% of what they produced was actually were cut and sewn in northern England. It no longer is. It's nearly the mirror image of that, and 93% of all garments consumed in the UK are actually imported. That's an official government figure. Now, when you have a, a consequence of Brexit, which is a 20% devaluation of the currency, you find that a lot of retailers are going to have to look closely at their supply side, and that slightly worries me. And again, it comes back to watering the gin. Will they try to make up the 20% by putting more polyester, more acrylic in? Uh, hopefully they won't. Uh, some will, but our job in the UK is to make sure that they keep as much wool in as possible. Because if you start to, start to dilute wool, you automatically or axiomatically uh, begin to lose its appeal, which is natural, sustainable, biodegradable. Uh, you know, end of life, back to earth, uh, and, and it actually enriches the soil. So that's my worry, but it's a fact of life that uh, the UK is importing 93% of what it consumes, mainly from US dollar areas, and we've dropped 20% against the dollar. So what is the role of Australian wool innovation via the Walmart company in this regard? We, you, you cannot dictate to retailers and manufacturers what is made, but by the uh, essentially all we can do is to keep pushing uh, wool's uh, advantages. Surely. Um, so does that work or does it come to a point where um, there is an economic reality that substitution uh, takes place? There is in certain segments of the market, but I would, I, I, I would contend that in the upper middle sector of the market, which is the market that we're trying, that we're, that we're aiming to work closely with, they need to have something which distinguishes themselves from the middle market. And it's fibre content, what we call a fibre upgrade, that distinguishes them from that mass market which they don't want to be associated with. If you look at the figures of retail in the UK, Primark figure is very positive in terms of market share. It's good. Um, the middle market, Marks and Spencers, um, one or two others like Next, are showing signs of decrease because they are massively middle market. Now move to Burberry at the top of the market, they're doing rather well. Once part of the market which is massively important, not just in the UK, but globally, it's called made to measure. The Chinese call it MTM. One of the corollaries of, uh, of mass market is that people want things more personalized. And as we are a small percentage fiber, we're 1.2, 1.3%, I think there's massive scope for the promotion and the pushing of MTM as an investment in a sustainable product and also in, in, in investment in, in a product which will have a return on capital. Well, I'll let you into a secret. If you pay 3,500 GB pounds, let's say 5,000 Australian dollars for a suit, if you pay 2,500 for a suit, if you pay 1,000 or 600, very often you're getting the same cloth, the same fabric from the same Australian marina. 
It's all a matter. It's all a matter of cut. So I think we have market segments where we can play the market very easily. And I think this whole idea of fibre upgrade is massively important, particularly in made-to-measure. Are we thinking about uh, fibre upgrades in the wrong way? Should we be not uh, working harder to substitute uh, cashmere and silk uh, rather than fending off uh, the mad main fibres? I think I've always said that uh, we have been too much, we've been far too kind to cashmere. The concordat that, wool, that Marino wool had with cashmere uh, it should never really have happened, but it was a it was a coincidence of history that some of our major weavers and major spinners are also major cashmere spinners, and we couldn't really declare wool on cashmere. I think cashmere is awful. It's sweaty. It's it doesn't breathe. Uh, it's overpriced. If you have merino, then it has everything that cashmere has. It's breathable. It's it's washable. It's it, it's 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 delightful. Cashmere has this handle advantage, which is fluffy and soft. It's like Real men don't really like fluffy towels, they like proper towels, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> no, the, and the other problem is, of course, that the consumer, at certainly the high and the upper middle segment of the market, is very cashmere conscious. And if I go into Marks and Spencer, it infuriates me where you see the cashmere garments are all beautifully displayed with plastic shoulder pads and, and covers so that people don't touch them. And the merino is just piled up. I think there's a lot to be done. I always said to the superfine wool growers that, the, that they should be declaring war in a nice way against cashmere and getting a price for superfine merino uh, and lamb's wool um, and not just a price for lamb's wool and cashmere. So is this happening by stealth anyway? I think so. Um, cashmere devalued itself by appearing in Tesco, which is our lower middle supermarket. It didn't do itself any favours. Uh, the cashmere price was so ridiculously... Uh, the, 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 the differentials were absurd. You could buy a cashmere sweater in Tesco for, say, 50 Aussie dollars, uh, whereby if you buy it in, um, in Burberry, it was 500 to 700 dollars. You know, they, they, they didn't do themselves any favours. So back to your brief in the, uh, in the Augustine newsletter that really puts uh, Brexit, I suppose, into a historical context. You've gone into quite a lot of detail in that regard. Um, why is that important? In context, we've got to look at historically how everything was made in the UK and how nothing is now made in the UK, like nothing's made in Australia, or hardly anything's made, made in Australia. It is a, an import-dominated business. But what is, what is encouraging is that consumers who buy suits at the upper middle end of the market, even the middle end of the market, are talking about fibre content. Because of globalisation, I believe that fabric and fibre have an advantage, a distinct advantage, is that they can, via the Woolmark and via the weaver's own label and name, put cloth to the forefront. I'll give you an example. If you go into Marks, I had the pleasure of taking some wool growers around Yorkshire recently. We went into Marks Spencer and they found a jacket which had a label on Alfred Brown, which is a weaver in Yorkshire, make 1.1 million metres a year, uh, successful family business, 102 years old, um, I said, have a look in the top inside pocket. And we were only three miles away from the weaver who had the label on the sleeve. Have a look in the top inside pocket. Of course, the suit was made in Cambodia, 6,500 miles away from where we were. But Mr. and Mrs. Consumer doesn't know that and will rarely look for it. You've got to, these are tricks of the trade that we know because we're, we, are, we are in the business. The whole theory about um, 
fiber and fabric forward is working, I believe. It works in Japan, it works in China, and I go back to the made-to-measure story. MTM is all about identifying fabric via the woven label of the mill and not really talking about the origin of the cutting and sewing. To finish, Peter, what would you have to say to, to wool growers at the moment who are probably more optimistic than they've been perhaps uh, in their lifetime? Um, the, uh, the strength around the, the market but also uh, across uh, the sheep industry um, seasons uh, pending. Uh, is is very very strong, but from someone who is really much very much at the coalface, uh, can this market last much longer? I believe it can, and I believe if the work continues to to use again the word fibre upgrade, I see the middle market, and I can demonstrate it with figures of turnover and figures of profitability. The middle market is suffering. The only way out of the middle market in the high wool consuming countries of the UK, Japan. Uh, Germany, Italy, is to make sure that the fibre content and the fabric content is part of the marketing strategy. And this we are doing, uh, and I think it will continue like that. I don't see any downturn in the middle, the upper middle market and its quest to have good fibre and good fabric. I wish that in my much younger days, women's wear was made entirely out of worsted wool from this country. If women's wear goes back into wool, which it's showing signs of doing slightly at the very top end, the catwalks at the moment of the couture houses are full of British-looking fabrics. Um, if women's wear went back into wool, then I would say to the growers, there aren't enough sheep around. Um, but a very strong masculine story, a very strong men's wear story, a strong sportswear story, and if we can make moves on women's wear, which I think we could do, then I think uh, the, the current prices are sustainable and the current optimism is going to continue. Well, Peter, it's, it's always a great pleasure to, to catch up with you. You are incredibly experienced and your, your thoughts are very much appreciated. Um, thank you again for joining us on The Yarn. Good to talk to you, Marius. Thank you very much. Peter Ackroyd there, Global Strategic Advisor with Australian Wool Innovation and Woolmark. And uh, if you'd like to read a little bit more about uh, what Peter has to say there. He exp expands a little bit more in the August edition of the Market Intelligence Report. You'll find that at wool.com. It's AWI's Peter Slacksmith here in Sydney with Shavran Reddy, who's the new wool ambassador in India for AWI. Hello, I'm back again, but now in Sydney. <laughs> and Shavran, last time we saw each other, we were in India. It was just a month ago for yeah. the Textiles India event. And the thing that draws us in common, obviously, is wool. Yes, of course it's wool, and I'm here to uh, you know shoot a campaign for wool. And I didn't expect you, Peter, to be here. I didn't. I, I didn't expect that I'll be meeting you. And I didn't expect to see you here either. But you're about to drive out to Mudgee, which is a really beautiful area of central New South Wales, where I actually have some family members. But you're going to be going onto some farms and seeing some sheep and talking to some wool growers and shooting a campaign. Yes, I've heard a lot about. It. Whoever I've told that I'm going to Mudgee, they've been oh nice. We haven't gone there, and you just come three days back, and you went to Mudgee and. They're talking about the food and the wine there and stuff like that. So I'm excited and and also as I'm supposed to, I'm, I'm going for the shoot. I'll be meeting a lot of farmers and sheep farmers, I mean. And yes, uh, I'm looking forward. Excellent. And obviously um, it's winter here in Australia and we've just left, uh, you just left India, which it was summer. And last time we saw each other it was summer and we're both still wearing wool. 
Oh yes, that is there. Uh, I like the weather, but because uh, the winter, uh, the the weather is totally different here. But I like this. It's not really cold for me. I'm liking it. Maybe because it's for a little bit of a while. And otherwise, wool as yes, I'm we- I was wearing it there. I'm wearing it here. Uh, because it's a transitional, uh, you know, uh, fiber. So I'll be wearing it everywhere. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, Chevron. Enjoy, Maji. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. So it's time to head to Hong Kong now. Now it was known for a long time as an important manufacturing hub for the global textile industry, but now. It's also a significant fashion design centre, and this is where Woolmark comes in as we work to train and educate the next generation of designers about the versatility and the modernity of wool. Now, Hong Kong Woolmark manager is a man called Alex Lai. He is quite a textile institution himself. He's speaking here with the head of the Hong Kong Fashion Design Association, Jeanette Chance. We have been collaborating and being partners for uh, seven years, seven to eight years. And uh, it's been a very, very pleasant experience between the Hong Kong Fashion Designers Association and the Walmart. Uh, we support all your events, all the Walmart events, as well as we partner in the sense of uh, nominating uh, young design brands for the IWP award, um, the competition that you have uh, annually. Uh, And uh, also we have designers who come to your uh, office to partner, to to also uh, look at your wool uh, product and develop your wool product with your uh, managers over here. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Janet, for your support. Remember that we do this uh, International Wool Prize. Your uh, association is, is helping us a lot. Will you ex- uh, express a little bit more about this year, Sixthly is, is the winner of the IWP Nature piece? I'm very, very pleased when I heard that news. That evening when um, Brian Tam, your, your colleague, uh, when he WhatsApped and told me about Sexly winning the prize, I was literally, I told all my uh, executive committee, including, of course, the chairman, Mr. Kevin Young. This is the second time the Hong Kong brand, a Hong Kong young designer, won the uh, IWP Asia. But um, last time it was low, uh, it was hosted in Hong Kong, but this time he won in Seoul. Uh, and which which means that it's it's uh, tougher for him because it's not a home ground. He's not on his home turf, but he won, and I'm very very pleased that he. I think he well deserved uh, this winning. Because he's a very good designer and very talented, as well as a very nice person. Yeah, it is good. We know Six Lee, and he's a very talented local designer here. And we are also very happy that he won the AWP Asia. Uh, by the way, would you, would you like to elaborate a little bit more about the Hong Kong fashion industry? Do the Hong Kong government do any support to the industry? Hong Kong in the 1980s had a really, really blooming garment industry. Uh, it, as such, a garment industry means that it's mass production, it's export. But after, you know, with, with everybody knows that the manufacturing base has moved up north to China, as well as now currently in all over Southeast Asia, um, Hong Kong is slowly developing it, itself into a fashion design hub. 
and uh, government uh, actually uh, tried to help by giving us a certain amount of funding and also set up an advisory board on uh, advisory group on fashion uh, to try to uh, think up uh, projects and events to promote the fashion designers and fashion brands in Hong Kong as well as to incubate them. Uh, and we are on the track to do it, but I don't know how long it will take. But I mean, Hong Kong do have talents. We have good education system. We have good fashion design graduates. Uh, we, but they, they do need a bit of a push, a bit of incubation, a bit of a promotion to help them on their way. Yeah, you're quite right, Janet. In fact, just, we are very happy that Hong Kong FDA do a lot of support to the fashion industry as well as also support our Walmart company to just put the wool in the fashion uh, outfits. Um, so uh, basically that uh, I would like to invite you to visit Australia so you can see our farm and then you can see how happy is the, the wool goer, how happy is our ship. And uh, yeah, one day we invite you to visit Australia. Well, that will be great. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm very happy to know that your sheep are treated well and they're happy because as a spiritual practitioner and a vegetarian, I love animals. And, uh, and I also believe in aura and energy. Happy sheep produce happy wool. Happy wool uh, would give the, aura, uh, the wearer a happy aura and happy aura would produce good feng shui. Okay, so th this is a good cycle, yeah. and uh, so I, I love to hear this sort of uh, happy story. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Janet, and then uh, we will talk a bit later then. Thank you. Thank you. That's Janet Chance of the Hong Kong Fashion Design Association with Woolmark Hong Kong manager Alex Lai. Now, if you ever think of heading to Hong Kong, you must get in touch with Australian Wool Innovation and visit uh, the Woolmark office there and the Wool Resource Centre. Uh, there have been a lot of wool growers go through and a lot of happy wool growers with uh, the people and the things they see there. So that's it for this edition of The Yarn. Hope you've enjoyed it as always. Please, if you have any suggestions, they do come through every now and then, send them to theyarn at wool.com. But from me, Marius Cumming, thank you for listening and look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you.